0: Uh, Shelley, would you read the scripture that we're going to look at today?
1: Today's scripture comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 1 through 19. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture says. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results— for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God, who was working through me by His grace. It makes no difference whether I preached or they preached, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? And if there are no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of all your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are to be pitied more than anyone in the world. This is God's word.
0: Um, we've been in this sermon series called How to Survive a Shipwreck, and basically it's a continuation of Easter. Um, all, leading up till Easter, our church went through sort of these rituals and and uh, and rhythms of the early church. And one of the things that I discovered that I didn't know is that for centuries, the early church, when they approached Easter, they did Lent. And we've, many of you have heard of Lent. It leads up to Easter. But then when you hit Easter, sometimes it's like, okay, now we talk about the resurrection and then you know, and then we move on to other stuff. But really, the early church would spend weeks and weeks and weeks after that just talking about Easter, talking about the, the implications of the resurrection. And so we just thought we would do that too, and we call it "How to Survive a Shipwreck" because essentially, if it's true that Jesus rose from the dead, then that means that no storm or ship uh, shipwreck needs sink you. In fact, you can there, in fact you can still lose your ship without losing your soul, without losing your faith, without losing on what's most important. So we've just been looking through. It's been like a virtual tour of some of the most uh, sort of critical, uh, especially in the New Testament, some of the most critical passages that have to do with the resurrection. Um, and so by the end of today, we're basically going to read most of 1 Corinthians 15, because 1 Corinthians 15 is, I, th- I think, the only chapter in that we have in the Bible that. From beginning to end is all about the resurrection. Just the whole chapter is about it. And so we're gonna—we uh, read a bunch of scripture just now, and we're gonna—I'm gonna kind of uh, take us to the conclusion of the chapter. Uh, it's a lot of scripture, but it's—it's uh, it's so important that we kind of understand what Paul is trying to—we're trying to say here. And uh, what we started last week is—is. Is We've been, like I said, we've been in the sermon series for a little bit, but last week I said, hey, we got to kind of sort of transition to sort of start talking about heaven. Um, Because we said this last week, um, and if you missed last week, it's online, we just kind of talked about, hey, there's really good reasons to believe, there's good philosophical reasons to believe that there's an afterlife. It it changes the way that we live in this life. Uh, You can listen to that on your own. But what we said is that the resurrection, the resurrection opens the door for us to understand what heaven is all about. Um, we wish the Bible talked more about heaven than it does. Um, no doubt, no doubt, you, you know, you have an idea of what heaven is like. Um, s- some of it, perhaps, comes actually from the scriptures. Probably more more often, our perception of heaven comes from Far Side comics or you know, like just just uh, just media. You know, just things that we've seen on TV. Every culture kind of has its own idea, and we're deeply shaped by that. But what I want to do, and kind of what Paul's trying to invite us into in this passage, he's trying to say probably the best place to start when you're trying to talk about heaven is to start with the resurrection of Jesus, Um, because when you look through the door of the empty tomb, you you get a glimpse. Of what heaven is about. I also said last week that you can't talk about heaven without talking about hell a little bit. And I didn't actually get to talking about hell last week. Um, although whenever you bring up hell, it's definitely like a conversation killer. <laughs> like the room just gets silent and then everybody's thinking, oh no, I brought a friend today. Like today was not the day to bring a friend because he's talking about hell. But listen, you're gonna, I, I hope you're pleasantly surprised. I don't know how, how, much, how much hell we're going to get to today. Maybe we'll get to it more next week. Um, but... Um, but, you know, so many of our ideas are shaped, like I said, by, by media and things. And we want to go to the scriptures. But, you know, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus gives us a glimpse about what heaven is like. And that gives, that has some huge implications uh, for what hell is all about. So we'll just kind of unpack that. Listen, I, I feel out of my depth whenever I talk about these things, especially this passage of scripture. It's a tough one. It's a, it's a meaty one. You know, trying to dig down on what Paul's argument is, is, uh, is a challenge. Uh, not all your questions are going to get answered about heaven or hell. And, and that's really not Paul's point here either, is to answer all of our questions. And that's actually not the Bible's point, is to just answer all of our questions about that, about the, you know, the, the what's and, you know, what's it all going to be like. Um, it's, cons- it's It has deeper concerns than that. Um, but, so hopefully it just starts some good conversations and hopefully you go off, you know, having, uh, just wanting to be more of a learner. And that's really what the word disciple means. It's a learner. And so we want to be disciples. Um, Christians, uh, you know, I, I believed in heaven um um, you know because you know and, and the Jewish people believed in an afterlife but Jesus when he rose from the dead opened up a, just a whole new understanding for us about what what it means what what an afterlife means what a resurrection life means and uh, Christians though for the for centuries have been accused of of kind of focusing too much on heaven and not focusing on this life have you heard the phrase that that um, it's been said of Christians often that Christians are so, are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good have you heard that before that's like a phrase that people have that they're so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good, meaning that we're kind of like always thinking about, oh, you know, the, the, the sweet by and by, you know, we'll get there someday. And so it just causes us to live apathetically in this life. When really, when really the, the opposite is true, I and mean, Paul's argument here is going to make it just a really great case for that is, that's not the case at all. In fact, a biblical understanding of, of resurrection and, and the new creation actually gives us more, more uh, fuel to care about this life, to care about this world, to, to to launch us back even with more passion and excitement than we did before. So um, anyways, um, we're going to look at heaven uh, through the eyes of Paul through the resurrection. And this is what he's talking about now before we get into the text um, I've got this I've got I tried to put it in my pocket and it's so small that I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to find it but there's like a little thing here okay hold on hold on hold on it's 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 really really small I, in fact I, if I try to pick it up to show you you can anybody see this of course you can't I can barely see it all right it's very very small all right it's in my hand um, but what I have here is I have a seed okay in fact here's a better picture so you can see um, this is a seed right here. Um, any guesses as to what this seed might be? Horns. Forest? Forest? Would you say? Horns? Corn. Corn. Oh, no corn. No, it's not corn. <laughs> mustard. Cloves. Mustard. No, but that's like a biblical thing. There's a mustard seed in there, right? No, not clove. I don't know. Maybe somebody said it, but I didn't hear it. But it's actually, this is a redwood seed. Can we get to this? So what's crazy is, is this little seed that you can't even see turns into that. <laughs> now, like, we live in a land stranger than Oz, okay? Like, this is wild that this, that this happens. This happens all the time, and this is really like what happens with all seeds. I mean, a seed goes into the ground, and what does a seed look like? A seed, uh, a seed just, it's just, what's, it's a seed, right? It just looks like a seed, and you put it in the ground, and I mean, what happens? It like, it gets water, and all these, and then all of a sudden, it kind of like breaks open and then like little tendrils come out, right? Somebody else should be giving this part of the talk because <laughs> you're like a, you know, a biology major, you know all this, but you know, the, the, the tendrils kind of go down and they're, they're the roots. They're going to become the roots, but then some tendrils come up and they're looking for sun and, and you need like both and then they start to go like this and then, and then it just, and then it grows and then it grows and then it grows and it turns into something, something like that. Now the question is, is 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 a seed, is a seed different than that? Everybody say yes. Yeah, a seed is different than that. But is is the seed, the seed that, that grew this tree, okay? It, the, a seed is different than that, but is also is it also the same? Yeah, in a way it's the same. I mean, it's the same like substance. In fact, you know, maybe if you could dig down underneath somehow, like you, you could probably, I don't know, like you could maybe. Again, somebody else should give this talk, all right? Because I don't know, but it's it's like the DNA is is like is probably the same. I mean, it's the same substance, but a seed looks nothing like that. But yet, it's and so they're different, but yet it's the same. It's the same thing. That's pretty incredible. And all of life sort of biology has this, this sort of thing in it, right? What usually what something starts out with in its, in its beginning doesn't end up turning into what it looks like. So I got another example here. Let's go to this other picture. This, ladies and gentlemen, are my parents. Okay? Right. They, are, they were hipsters before hipster was even a thing, all right? Like many of you were back in the, in the 70s or the early 80s, right? But, uh, but that's me right there. That's Brooks. That's Brooks. Stephen Rice in the hands of Mike and Kathy, and uh, you know if uh, so. Here's this little baby, right now. Is is this baby the same thing as this? No, but yes, right? It's crazy, right? It's it's different. It's not the same, but yet it, it's the same. That's me, all right. But that's not me. <laughs> okay, it's me, but it's not me. And you know, if you were to if you were to go to this infant, and if you were to try to explain pizza, <laughs> um, if you were try if you if if I just got into that little baby's cute face, and I was like, if I tried to describe Disneyland. If, if I tried to decide, you know, to, to explain, um, you know, just if I tried, anything in this life, you know, just think of some of the like the coolest things that we get to do. If I got to explain, you know, it, it, the baby has no, I would have no idea. I would have no um, understanding of what in the world I'm talking about. I can't. I'm, I'm a baby. But that baby changes and it grows and it becomes something um, that's completely different and yet the same. Pretty crazy, Right. And this is exactly what Paul is going to talk about in this, in this chapter. That he's laying out his argument. And what he's, what he's trying to help us see is this, is that Jesus, before the resurrection, he's, he's a man. He's walking around and he's, you know, he's hanging out with his disciples and he's, uh, he's eating food and he's, you know, he's just, he's hanging out and he's doing his stuff. Is the Jesus... Pre-resurrection, the same Jesus, the same Jesus as post-resurrection. We should all go like this, and then we should all go like this, you know? It's the same deal. It's like, yes, it's it's the same Jesus. I mean, the disciples, they they, they knew it was Jesus, but yet it's not Jesus. <laughs> he's still eating like a filet fish sandwich, right? But it's, but it's like, but he's got this different sort of, he's got this different body. I mean, it's this body now that like, it like like before he had a body that could die that could that could that could bleed and and then here he is and and but yet, and he's got the scars but yet it's a, now here now he's in a body that's that can't die now he's in this now he can like he's appears one place and he's in another place i mean this is a jesus that's that's running on a completely different set of rules and yet it's still jesus and this is what Paul's trying to grapple with. When Paul's asked about heaven, when he's asked about like what it's all supposed to mean, Paul is like kind of he's just kind of like has to throw a Hail Mary and he's like, "Listen, I don't know, but I met somebody, but I but I but I but I know that Jesus rose from the dead, and here's here's what I can tell you about what what heaven means and what it looks like." Now, is is uh I'm going to get into this passage. It's a little bit confusing and it's a, it's okay that it's a little bit confusing. You know why? It's because it's like explaining pizza to a baby. It's like it's, it's like telling a seed, a little seed, that someday a hummingbird is going to build a nest in your branches. I mean, it's just it's just incomprehensible. Therefore, it's a little bit out of our out of our depth. But here's here's Paul's argument. He's going to keep going, and I'm going to keep reading uh, the passage here. He says this. Um. By the way, this is our Christian hope that we have. What we're about to read is that, is that not only do we get new physical bodies when God comes and makes all things right, but that kind of the, everything does. And that no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what storm comes, no matter what shipwreck may occur in your life, this is sure. There's not a lot of things in life that are sure. There's not a lot of things in this life that you can take to the bank for real, but Paul's argument is that this is sure. This is sure. This is a deep, deep hope for us. That all will be made right again. Um, it's good news. It's like what Aslan says in the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When the, st- when the stone table breaks, it says that death is going to work backwards. This is our great hope. It's like Samwise Gamgee when he says, hey, Gandalf, will, will all sad things become untrue? And the answer is because of the resurrection, yes. Yes. That's the good news for us. By the way, we don't talk about heaven that often. We don't. Honor, maybe you do in your home. Um, we probably should talk about it more in my home. It's, it's one of those things like I don't want to scare the kids. Like, you know, like, hey, let's talk about death. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's something so powerful, though. Usually the time that we talk about it is when we are encountering death, don't we? That's usually when we start to talk about it. I did a memorial service this Wednesday for, for a family in our church. And guess guess what we talked about? We talked about this. We talked about this hope that we have. Here's what Paul says. He says, but someone may ask. He says, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Now, these are natural questions. These are questions that they were asking then and they're questions that we're asking now. Like, okay, tell me more. I want to know more about this. Like, we get new bodies and like, oh my gosh, that sounds like the twilight zone a little bit. Like, tell me more. And he says, what a foolish question. He says, oh, come on. He goes, when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless unless it dies first. And what you put into the ground is not the plant that that it will will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or a redwood or whatever you're planting. And then God gives it the new body that he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to life forever. Forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they'll be raised as spiritual bodies. Now, this word is kind of confusing because the spiritual bodies doesn't mean that it's like a non-physical body, like a disembodied body. That's not what it means. It means more like... Uh, like a supernatural, like a like a different body, just like a seed. It's like it's the same you, but it's, but it's not the same you. It's a new you. And the way that we can see all that is through looking at Jesus. Um, you know, listen to what Paul's saying here. He's saying that these bodies that we have are perishable. Do I need to make an argument for that? Anybody? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Right? Like I'm gonna be turning 40 really soon. And uh, so I, it makes me feel very old. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, 40 so young, you know? Uh, but, but literally, not like it was like five months ago, I was, I was um, uh, doing something, I don't even remember what I was doing, and I like tweaked something. I've never like tweaked my neck before or my back. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what people are talking about. <laughs> this is so painful. And I couldn't sleep. And there's a few people in our ch- in our church that, you know, just know how to handle some of those things. So I was, like, knocking on your door, like, help me. <laughs> like, what do I do? And I had to go to the chiropractor for the first time in my life. That was wild. Like, I was so nervous. Because I feel like going to the chiropractor is a little bit like using ChapStick. Because, like, once you start using it, you can you can never stop. You know, you're addicted. Because they put, like, an addictive chemical in it, you know, or, like... But uh, you know, I, so I went to the chiropractor, and he just did crazy things to me, you know. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And uh, you know, and I thought I was getting better. And then, literally, like like a month a month ago, I was I was get this, guys. I was I hurt myself again. Guess what I did? Guess what I was doing when I hurt myself? I was sleeping. <laughs> I was sleeping. I literally like changed positions in bed, and then like something else happened. And I was like, "No, I am getting old." This is what it feels like, and a you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to make an argument. These bodies, they're they're perishing, all right? They're perishable, um, and um, um, but what, listen to what Paul's saying. He's saying that this is like a it's like a seed, and this seed is is gonna die and. But it's, it's going to die like, and it's, it's going to it, die in its seed form. It's no longer going to be a seed, but it's, it's going to be alive, but it's going to be alive in a different way, in a way that we can't possibly understand or comprehend or that we don't have categories for. And then not only does he, he mentions the human body, but do you notice that he's talking about like other kinds of bodies? He's talking about sun, moon, and stars. This is what's pretty beautiful and kind of crazy is that the resurrection of Jesus is like a preview it's like a preview, not only for what's going to happen with our bodies, but a preview for what's going to happen with all of creation. That Jesus walking around, talking, coming out of the tomb is like, it's a preview for what, for how our universe is going to be. That, that God isn't going to just like burn it all up and, you know, kick it to the curb and create something brand new, but it's going to be, listen to Paul's argument, it's going to be like a seed. Like, it's going to sort of die in this form, but it's going to get renewed, and it's going to be a different sort of form entirely. Whoa. Whoa. And then he goes on. He says this. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, this is verse 50, he says, that flesh and blood, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He's making some juxtapositions here. He's saying, listen, um... Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. So if we're talking about like a new creation, what Paul's language that he's using right now is he's talking about the kingdom of God, like coming and being established, ruling and reigning, that, the, that flesh and blood can't inherit it. And also the imperishable can't, I'm sorry, the perishable can't inherit the, the imperishable. So what is he all saying there? Well, um, he's saying that our present condition as we are can't, we can't. We can't inherit it. We can't inherit this new kingdom yet. We're we're not. We're not there yet. It's it's like uh, there's all sorts of examples of this. I was trying to think. Like, uh, do you guys remember? I remember um, in college when I was in college, we had, we had the, the, the we, It was just when the internet was getting available to everyone, and we had these things called modems, and and when you and when you wanted to connect to the internet, it it made this noise like a dying R two D two. Remember that? And, uh, and and you had to just like and it made this loud long noise and then that's what connected you and you were connected through the phone lines, all right. So the, it was like the phone lines were connecting you to the internet and internet and it was slow and it was you know it was just really bad but it was normal, right? Now, uh, you know, you all probably all have some, you have high speed internet at your house. Why? Because you need to stream stuff, all right? Because we're all streaming something, I'm sure all of us. And uh, so, you know, if we were going to use this illustration, like our old school, inter- like, like dial up modem phone uh, internet cannot inherit Netflix, okay? <laughs> um, it can't inherit just how we do things now. Something new has to happen. And Paul is saying that, yeah, there's, there's just, there's, in our present form, like it, it can't come completely. Um, and so we have to be like made new in order for us to be able to truly experience the kingdom of God. And notice what he says. He says that flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of different ways that you can, read, you know, when you read, when we read flesh and blood, we think that he's thinking of, that he's talking about this, that our physical bodies. And he's, he's partly meaning that. But he's, but he's meaning more than that. And, and this is just one of those exercises when you look at other places in the scriptures where flesh and blood is mentioned. Um, and Paul, certainly in some of his other writings, um, one of the ways that you interpret scripture is you you, you you read something and if it's confusing, you look at other places in scripture where it says something similar and it helps you kind of diagnose, okay, what's happening here? And other places, Paul, when he uses the phrase flesh and blood, he's not talking about like, like physicality stuff. He's talking about flesh and blood is, is a way to describe just sort of like the way that we live our lives in this world, that flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. It's it's like it's like a lot of the things that we do, a lot of the the thing. You know, these bodies that we have are really beautiful, but they're also shot through with all these impulses, uh, with all these things. That if we just said yes to all of them, it would be incredibly destructive to so many others. I mean, our bodies are amazing, but our, our bodies are also just just filled with. You know, with, with these tendencies and these, these reactions and these things that cause us to want to be, you know, to self-preserve. So I want to make decisions that are right for me, even if it costs somebody else something. Um, we, our flesh and blood is just the way that we conduct business where, you know, we, it's where the, you know, making money is the bottom line, no matter how much it hurts the environment or no matter how much it hurts our workers, uh, or no matter how much it hurts, like other people groups, as long as, we're, as long as we're winning, it's okay if everybody else is losing. You know, that sort of thing. That, that our, our flesh and blood is just this tendency in, in us that just wants to use and abuse other people. To put down other people, to gossip about other people so that it makes us feel better about ourselves. That there's just this, this thing in us that does this. This is the kind of stuff that Paul is talking about. He says, flesh and blood, just the way that we live our lives, it can't inherit the kingdom of God. And so here, now here's God, and he's he, he sort of like, picture it like this. This is probably a really bad illustration. It breaks down in all sorts of places. But God's a little bit like got to be a bouncer. He's got to be a bouncer a little bit. Because here's this, like, beautiful club, <laughs> this beautiful kingdom of God, this new creation. But not everything gets to come in, right? I mean, not everything gets to come in. I mean, if, God, if, if God's going to make all things right, then then God's got to say, no, listen, not Everything can't come in because this is a new, this is a new thing. This is a new, new world. And so we're not going to take this broken stuff and bring it in here. And so here's God saying he's got to say no. About some things, about things coming into the kingdom. Now that, that in our in our sensibilities in our modern world, that's hard for us because we think, oh, God saying, like God being a bouncer, God saying no, and oh gosh, that means he's you know that means he's being a prude or he's like angry at people or he's he's uh, you know I I don't know I don't know what your perception is of that, but listen, God's God's got to do something about some of these this flesh and blood stuff in our world. Uh, let me give you a, a, an example is when when you get to the few last pages of the bible in the book of revelation one of the pictures one of the metaphors one of the images that we get of heaven is uh, is a feast it's a it's a wedding banquet and You know, it's it's every tongue, every tribe, every nation. I mean, there's tons of diversity there. The the nations are together, and we're celebrating God. We're celebrating that we get to be in His presence. I mean, you know, it's this really, really cool picture. Now, imagine you live your life and you're a racist. You are going to be profoundly uncomfortable sitting at the table with every tongue, tribe, and nation. See, racism is, isn't going to inherit the kingdom of God. It can't. It just can't. And so God, so that can't come in into the kingdom because it'll, it'll, it would spoil it. It would ruin it. This is a new kingdom that God is creating. And so God's got to say, no, racism, does, it's not going to fit here. It's not going to belong here. And so what's, what's God going to do? How's he going to do it? How's he going to kind of be a bouncer? Well, listen, this is where one of these metaphors that is helpful. It's, it's this metaphor of fire. It's this metaphor of fire. Now when you read the scriptures, you'll see that this metaphor kind of comes up a bit. In fact, when you think about the end of the world, most people, usually fire has like something to do with, with your perception about kind of like how the end looks. And, that, uh, and certainly you can read passages of Scripture that, that you know, it seems, it seems like, oh, wow, there's going to be, like, fire. There's going to be all this fire. And it seems as if God's angry, like, and he's just throwing down lightning bolts at things. But I, I, what i got to do to kind of tease this out, because this is important, guys. I'm going somewhere with this. Is i got to take you to another passage, another passage in this same letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians. So we're just going to backtrack just a little bit. And it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Because Paul is playing with these ideas in this whole letter with the Corinthians. And here's what he says. And he's going to introduce this sort of metaphor of fire. And it's going to be helpful for us to understand. He says, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. He says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid. Which is Jesus Christ. And, you know, so he's saying, hey, there's this foundation as we build our lives on, on Jesus. He's the, the cornerstone. He's the foundation. But we don't just sort of lay around on, on the foundation. No, we, we build our lives and we build it on Christ. We, we build, we, we go to work to building our lives together. And, uh, and he says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, he says, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, the day. And Paul's you know, and he's reminding us that there's there's a day that there's this day that's coming. There's when the day will come. He says that that the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been, by the way, he's not talking about just this. Isn't a gospel of works. If you just do good, then you'll get in. No, no, no. Remember the corner. The the foundation is, is Christ. That's the foundation. But there's also this thing where he, he says, uh, if what has been built survives, the builder will, see, will receive a reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. <laughs> it's interesting. But just pick, pick up his metaphor, what he's trying to do. He's, he's using the metaphor of a house fire. You see what he's doing? There's, there, he's using the metaphor of a house fire, meaning that we're all gonna build our lives and that there's, there's, there's going to be a time when our lives are going to sort of be exposed for what they are. Just like in a house fire, you know, like a house fire comes through and it's going to burn away just sort of all the stuff that, you know, all the hay and the straw and like the stuff that's flammable, you know, like that stuff goes. But like, you know how sometimes in a house fire you'll see that if it had like a brick chimney, like the, the chimney will be left, you know, or it'd be like one of the last things that's left. But in like in any building, I mean you see his point, right? I don't have to keep explaining. I overexplain things sometimes, so I'll just stop. You see his point. His point is, is that some things that we build our lives with will will last. And other things that we're building our lives with that they won't. They can't inherit the kingdom of God. They, 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 won't, be, they won't be able to come in. And so, you know, and it, it, so God's fire. It's it seems like he's angry. But let's pause for a second because isn't it okay that God is angry at some of this flesh and blood stuff? Listen, if you're not angry at human trafficking, something's wrong with you. Like if, like if the sexual exploitation of young boys and young girls in our world, the kidnapping of young boys and young girls to get chained to beds six high to be used over and over again at night, Multiple times. If that doesn't make you angry, then we, let's get you a counselor. <laughs> you bet that should make you angry. Do you think that makes God angry? Let's hope it does. If it doesn't make God angry, then he's not a God that I want to serve. Yes, it makes him angry. And so what's God going to do? But see, listen, you know, we're angry about it. But listen, we have a God who's actually, he's actually more angry about it than you and I are. Like, he's more serious about it than you and me. Like, God's actually going to come and do something about it. He's actually going to come and confront it. To which, you know, to which we say, like, you know, God, do something about those people. But, you know, confront their sin. And, you know, and, but don't confront. But please don't confront mine. And we, we like to hold God a double standard. Please take care of their stuff, but don't point the finger at me, all right? Because I want you to get rid of them, but I don't want you to get rid of me. But you see, if God's going to take this whole, seriously, this whole thing seriously, if he's, 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 he's doing something about it. And the way that he's got to do something about it is he's got he's to be angry at human trafficking. But you know what else? He has to get angry at the, the seed of human trafficking that's in every single one of us. You see what I mean? Because we would say, God, I'm not a human trafficker. But God would say, yeah, but you know what? There's a, there's, a, there's a seed in you. It's called lust. It's called arrogance. It's called pride. It's called greed. And while you might not be a human trafficker, do you know what, you know what, you know what I know? You know what you know if you're honest? I mean, that, that the seed is here. It's in you to do that. And maybe it hasn't germinated. Maybe it hasn't—it's—it's not—it it's, hasn't taken form. But it's there. See, this is how Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount can say, "Hey, um, you know, you've been—you've heard it said, don't murder. But but if you got if you got an anger in your heart, then then you've already committed murder. Do you see what he's doing? He's 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 taking this big sin, but then he's trying to help us see that there's a seed in it. There's a seed in every single one of us, and it's got to get addressed got to get addressed. That those things, that those, God will not let those seeds into the kingdom of God. He won't let them. And so is there any hope for us then? You bet there is. You bet there's hope. Because see, this is what we talked about on Good Friday. It's Jesus was consumed by God's fire. He was, on the cross, he was consumed by God's anger and fire and justice so that we could be free, so that our hearts could be unchained by these seed, but we, we could be re- loose from these seeds that are in us. That's good, good news for us. Remember this: when 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 the Bible talks about fire, it has less to do with like punishment, like making you squirm to like punish you, and it has more to do with like purific, like it's gonna it's purifying. Fire is a beautiful thing. Listen, you know that there's some things in you that need to get burned up, don't you? You know there are there's things in you that it's your flesh and blood and you know that it needs to get dealt with and god wants to deal with it he wants to he wants to he wants to meet you there with it today um listen to how paul finishes i gotta finish up listen he says this uh we're back to first corinthians 15 he says listen i'll tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we'll be changed in a flash in victory. And then Paul breaks into a song here. See, you didn't know it was a musical, but it is. It's like when you went to go see Les Mis, like the last one that came out with Russell Crowe. Some of you were like, "It's the movie starts and you're like, I didn't know this was a musical. <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. This is a musical. Paul breaks into song here and he quotes from, from the Old Testament book of Hosea. He says this. He says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus, through Lord Jesus Christ. Um, So then he has a kind of concluding thought here. And uh, the concluding thought's interesting because if it's true that God's going to like, we're like seeds and God's going to like remake everything, I mean, that's a really cool hope that we have. And so you would think that then like our attitude as Christians would be, man, if that's the case, like if, if, ever, if God's going to, if this is a sure thing, that God's going to make all things right again, his justice is going to prevail, then I mean, if that's, if that's true, then that means we should just quit our jobs and get some margaritas and watch Saved by the Bell, right? <laughs> like we should just, we should just, I mean, if it's true, then why, why we should just relax. We should just go on a cruise. You know, like, why, you know, why be involved in this world if God's going to renew it? But see, Christians are are exactly the opposite of that. (laughs) A part that I skipped earlier in this passage, we didn't read the whole chapter, but Paul says, hey, if there is no resurrection, then might as well have a good meal, have a good drink, for tomorrow we die. (laughs) If there's no resurrection, then hey, then let's just do that stuff. But that's not the argument. For a Christian, it's different. Because there's a resurrection, listen to how Paul concludes. This is so cool. He says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Man, When you get this idea that like this world as it is and this body that it is, that even though God's going to remake it and renew it, if my foundation is built on Jesus Christ, the good news is that this doctrine of like this new creation actually gives us beautiful wisdom and passion and resources for, for caring about our world. It actually gives you like a theological basis for understanding environmentalism, for caring for our planet. It actually like it actually gives you as the sense to say the stu- the work that I'm doing, like Dan, you install windows, you install glass for people. Like there might be times where, and I don't know, maybe your job is similar. There might be times where, where Dan is he's installing glasses. Like what does this even matter? Like what is this even doing? Like I don't even know. Like what, does this make a difference? But listen to what Paul's saying. He's, I mean, he's saying like it means that because this is sure because God's gonna like take what we're doing and use it. To create new things. That the that the, resurrection, it's, it's, the resurrection of Jesus, it starts, it's starting now. It's, we're doing its work now, even in our lives. That no matter what you do, when you're following Jesus, whatever job you have, whatever, whatever you, you've, you put your hands to, it's like, it matters. It deeply matters. So stand firm. Don't be swayed. Give your life to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor is not in vain. That's good news. If you can hold on to that, no
1: ship will sink you. You will survive every shipwreck that comes.